Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. It is great to be with you. Thanks for giving us some of your time. Well, I was leading worship at Straits Area Evangelical Free Church in St. Agnes on Sunday. 99.9% of everybody there was 50 and up. But these people are young at heart, and they love Jesus. They love his grace. They love just the idea of sharing his grace with their neighbors and with the nations. We just have this beautiful bond. But there was one teenager there, so that makes her part of Gen Z, which are those between 6 and 24 years old. Maybe you've got a Gen Zer. Maybe you're raising Gen Zers. And I just so much want to see the Gen Z generation experience the reality of Jesus and know him and follow him. So as I led worship, I watched her from time to time and was just wondering what was going on in her heart. Mm-hmm. After everybody left and it was just me and my friend, Pastor Bill, I said, yeah, I noticed a teenager here today. I was pumped. And Bill said, oh, I forgot to tell you, she told me she loved the music and she loved the message. Oh, that's awesome, Perry. She's a granddaughter of a couple who worships here. She just loves Jesus. Mm. And my heart was just warmed. But based on that little bit of information, admittedly, very little information, I think what this teenager was saying when she said, I love the music and the message is... I loved hearing the message that following Jesus is not about trying to be good enough for God. It's about trusting in, clinging to, relying on what Jesus has done. You know, it's it's good news of what the the King has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. And I always want to make the gospel clear Mm -hmm. when I ever have a chance. Well, if that was the message that you were giving and she said, I love the message, yep. I think that's a pretty fair assumption. That was the message. And of course, I shared stories of God showing up in the Muslim world and so on by his grace. So, you know, I think that that's what she was saying, that I love the message because I heard the gospel. And I think she was saying, I love the songs because... I experienced God's presence. You know, you you could sense God's presence Mm -hmm. there. God shows up when his people meet. And so I think she was saying it was like, you know, God was right there with us. I don't know if you know this, but two-thirds of 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in church have left and haven't come back, which begs the question, why? Why have they left and not come back? Here's Jim Samra. He's the lead pastor at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. I do believe that younger people do leave the church, but it's because we tried to keep them in the wrong way. We thought programs, if we could have just the right programs, if the church would be sort of exciting enough and fun enough, we thought community would keep them. If we could just get them connected, if we could get them, we thought mission would keep them. If we could get them to go on missions trips, if we can get them to see that, hey, leading people to Jesus, getting clean water for people don't have, we thought that could keep them. We thought doctrine could keep them. If we could just teach them the right beliefs, we thought apologetics could keep them. If we can show them that the world is wrong about this or about that. The reason why none of those things work is because none of those things are the answer to the question that God himself had Moses ask, which is, 
What differentiates me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? In other words, what is the unique thing about Christianity that will differentiate it from Islam Mm -hmm. and Hinduism and Buddhism and especially secularism and the world and all of those things? The answer to the question, when Moses asks it, is not doctrine or ethics or mission or apologetics or community. The answer to the question is, as God says through Moses, unless my presence goes with you, That is the distinguishing feature, God's presence. In Genesis, in the garden, God walks with Adam and Eve. In Revelation, in another garden, God is dwelling with men and women because there is no temple. The one thing that is the essence of Christianity is God's presence with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. As our churches facilitate people's experience of God's presence and we connect them to his presence, they're not going to leave him. Now, some people will turn away. I understand that. But we've tried for way too long to connect them to a program, to other Christians, to connect them to a doctrine. My experience is if you give them Jesus, and one of the things about the church is the church is the place where God is uniquely present in this world. If people experience his presence, he's the only drug that satisfies. I mean, we have an opioid crisis. The only thing that's going to counteract that opioid crisis is not better doctrine or better ethics or better community or more mission. People are filling a hole in yeah. their heart. It's a God-shaped right. vacuum. That, if you don't give them God and his presence, then nothing we give them is going to satisfy. You know, I'm 100% sure that I would not be here talking with you right now alongside Ashana if I had not experienced God's presence throughout my life, if I had not experienced the reality of the personality of Jesus Christ through his spirit. You know, and it was... Gosh, going all the way back to just being so excited about getting to go to Sunday school for the first time when I was, you know, four or five years old. I know now that that was God's presence drawing me to him. And on the playground in fifth grade, when the gospel was shared to me and I sensed Jesus there saying, you're mine. And I just had the assurance that I was going to heaven through the the witness of my buddy Lenny and just... You know, as a 16-year-old, 15-year-old experiencing just the the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on me and had these key experiences through my life. Now, these were certainly defining moments, and they don't happen every single day. But we need the presence of God because he's a living God. And if we're going to stay the course with God, we have to know him, not just intellectually, but know him. And if you're thinking, man, I've never experienced the presence of God, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not a believer. It just means like, well, maybe maybe there are some barriers that you're putting up and those need to come down. Now, I don't know that that's the fact either, but God is a person. Mm-hmm. He's real. He's living. And he wants us to experience him. And we need the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our heart to to experience God. I th- the song lyrics that come to mind as I'm listening to you and to Sam. Sam, is that it? Jim. Jim, Jim Samra. Jim Samra. Well, there you go. Sam Jimra. <laughs> there you go. As I'm listening is, you know, the song, Give Me Jesus. And when push comes to shove, when you realize that you don't have as much control over your life as what you think you have, you know, when something like health, a diagnosis hits you and, and it, mm. you're like, oh, well, I work out, I eat healthy, I did everything I could do, and yet here I'm facing this thing. Yeah. When you realize, you know, you're kind of at the end of yourself, 
nobody sings in the morning when I rise, give me religion, you know, or in the morning when I rise, give me church. It's Jesus. Yeah. It's in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. That's it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know what would be wonderful? What's that? If this Christmas, instead of wrapping up presents and putting them under the tree, we could give the gift to all of humanity of one virtue. Like if everyone picked one, woo, I think we would just really go up a notch. Which one? Would, we're living life. Which one would you give me? <laughs> oh, let me think. <laughs> no, this is not, you know, like I would give you this and you that and you this. But like one virtue that you could give to all of humanity, what would you give? You're deflecting. I am deflecting. <laughs> I need time to think. I wouldn't take that flippantly. We're together every single day, Perry. I really want to put some prayerful thought into what virtue I would bestow to oh, you. Oh, I need a lot of prayer. Yes. <laughs> but if you had one virtue that you could give all of humanity, what would it be? Well, this is specifically for Michigan, you know, because we lived out in Arizona for a few years. I'm a Michigan native, northern Michigan native, but we lived out in Phoenix for three years and you know, I have to say the drivers, generally speaking, in Phoenix, one of the biggest cities in the country, were more chill than they are in Michigan. You know, as we came back from Phoenix, we made the, the trip back and moved here to west of Michigan. All of a sudden, you know, there's cars right up on my rear end. Yeah. Right up in my, not in my grill, but in yeah. my bumper. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking... Oh, yeah, I remember this. It's only been three years. This is the way people drive, and and I just experience it all the time. People right there on my rear end, and I probably do it myself. I'm sure I do it myself because I find myself talking to that driver in front of me and sort of trying to coach them up when they can't hear me. Coach them up in speed and acceleration? Well, just, you Come know. Come on, little buddy. That's what you would say, huh? Right. Come on, little buddy. You can go a little faster than that. Stuff like that. <laughs> yep. But I would give drivers in Michigan patience. Yes. Patience. That's so good. what's what's the deal, man? That's really good. Explain this to me. If you're if you're one of those people that just gets right up on somebody, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I mean had it's that just like experience this morning. Yeah. I did. I you know, I mean, it was snowing and the roads were icy, you know, and so I was I wasn't driving ridiculous because there is such a thing as going so slow that you're actually causing danger to other people around you. But, you know, I was paying attention to the flow of traffic, but also making sure I could control my vehicle. And man, I had someone just right on my tail. Yeah. Just headlights right in my rear view mirror, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you expect the people to be like really angry and you pull over to let them go by and you look and... You know, it's a it's a soccer mom just listening to the radio. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I, <laughs> explain I don't know. this to me. I think patience is a good one. If we could bestow patience, one of the things I would give to everybody is joyfulness, and I think the two go hand in hand. Because if we were a little bit more patient, I think we'd be a whole lot more joyful. Just so you know, Sean is not a fan of surprises. Hey, good for you. I mean, we know each other pretty well, but I didn't know if if you knew that offhand. And so I felt like it would be important to tell you. But there you are. You've got it. Just found that out this morning. Did you really? Yeah. 
Okay. You told me. <laughs> I did tell you earlier this morning. I'm not a fan of surprises. And here's the thing. It's not like I don't like to be surprised with stuff. It's just that being surprised robs me of the joy of the anticipation okay. of something. So it's way more fun to know in advance that something's coming than to be like, surprise. Like if you were going to throw me a party, hypothetically, Perry, if you were going to throw me a party, <laughs> you tell me about it so I can get excited about oh, it. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah. That's way more fun. Can't do a surprise party. For me, it would be more fun if I could anticipate it. Okay. But I also like to order things. I do like things. Let's just be honest about that. But I've also realized I enjoy ordering things because I like having them delivered more than I like outright like buying them at the store and taking them home. Because when I order them, then I can anticipate they're coming and I can track what's going on when they got shipped and when they're going to arrive and you actually do that. Yes, I do that. Okay. Mm. I actually do that. I'm telling you this anticipation thing. It's, it's a cool thing and I can't wait to get home and then, you know, check the front porch and see if the package is there and then open up the box. And is it what I thought it was going to be? That's a lot of fun for me. I love and the anticipation of it is what I'm trying to get at. And before Jesus' birth, God's people had received prophecies about this coming king, this Messiah that was to come, and they dreamed about what it was going to be like when he arrived. They probably all had different interpretations of, you know, what it was going to look like when he actually came. But they studied the scripture so they'd know where to look and what to look for as they anticipated the coming Jesus. Christmas time is a time of anticipation. We get excited. We look forward to Christmas morning. You say Christmas morning to somebody, you don't have to explain yourself. They already know what you're talking about. There's an an anticipation and a joy of what's coming and what will be. What are you looking forward to this Christmas? You know, what you're saying, though, takes me back to other Christmases. Okay. You know, because my, my mom and dad just went over the top with Christmas, and they just lavished, lavished gifts on us. And so Christmas morning was probably the biggest day of the year for our family. And, I mean, the gifts were just overflowing into the middle of the floor. That's awesome. I'm just... It's like movie movie Christmas is what it sounds like. I'm not exaggerating. And just the... It was... It was like a taste. I have to be honest. It was like a taste of God's presence. Hmm. It was like a taste of how good God is and how glorious he is. And it was like a metaphor for the the wonder of God, really, as I look back on it, being a child and just the extravagance of my parents and the, the beauty of the morning, the beauty of the tree, and just like this holy hush as you saw the, the tree light up and see all those gifts, you know. There, there's something that about what you're describing that reminds me of how I reflected on Thanksgiving this year and just like this, like abundance, like we're not going to run out. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I'm hearing you say with all of the gifts and all, it was such extravagance. It was yeah. like, there is no end to the resources here. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's God's heart. Yeah. He's so extravagant in his giving. He's like scandalously giving. Right, right. And uh, that was, you know, seeing all those gifts there was just a, a good word picture for me as a kid of, of the heart of God. And I'm sure that as you're listening, there's probably something that's coming to mind for you that you're anticipating this Christmas. Maybe it's seeing someone that you love that you haven't seen in a while and 
and they're going to be home for Christmas or you get to go home for Christmas. Or maybe there's something that you've been longing for and you're thinking Christmas is exactly the time for that to happen and just believing that that that's going to come this Christmas. Um, but I, I hope that you get what you're longing for. I really do. I, I mean that genuinely. But I promise you, even if you do get it, it won't compare to the gift that God gave us in Jesus. Only Jesus can fill that space inside of us that gets achy at times and we look for other things to fill it. I mean, even in good things, you know, like relationship things and physical healing, things that that are good that we long for, they won't satisfy us the way that Jesus does. Only a real experience with a living Jesus will satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can give you a joy that doesn't fade come January or February or March. Psalm 1611 says, You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Anticipate Jesus this Christmas, and you will not be disappointed. I promise. God is not a theology textbook. He's not a doctrine, a philosophy, a code of ethics. He's not a force, that's for sure, even though I love Star Wars. God is a person. He is person with a capital P, and we can experience him. We need to experience him. We get to experience God in his living presence. And this is what keeps us in the faith, is our experience of God. And I know that because I've experienced God throughout my life, you know, there there have been defining moments when I've experienced God and his presence and that has shown me that he's real. Absolutely. There is a song, I think it's by Maverick City, Miracles. Uh, it's Miracles on Miracles. And then it kind of, you know, says, I can't even count them all. Mm. You know, when I think about mm-hmm. all that you've done for me. And I was mm-hmm. listening to that song as I was heading into the studio this morning. And I just was literally thinking about, you know, physical healings, all the these different things that God has done for me and literal miracles on miracles that have happened in my life that are experiences of yeah. the real Jesus. Yeah, and if you're thinking, man, I wish I could experience that, I would just say, ask God. Mm-hmm. Ask God for you to experience his presence, but don't don't put boundaries on what that looks like, you know? Yeah, for Cause, sure. Because God surprises us with his presence. I don't feel God's presence every day. You know, but there are those moments when he just shows up and he says, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm real. I'm the living God. Put your hope in me. Well, Jim Samra is somebody who's experienced the living God, and it's probably why he's pastoring at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. In engineering school, in my freshman year, I contract mononucleosis and then viral meningitis. And so it is a brutal year and I'm petrified of failure. Not only am I not academically equipped for where I'm at, I no longer can go to class anymore. I'm so sick and I'm so tired. Every doctor says, look, you just need to drop out of school. I didn't have the money to drop out and re-enroll and it felt like failure. And so here I was in the middle of my dorm room. I didn't want to call my parents because that felt like the cowardly thing to do. None of my friends really cared what I was going through in the sense of they didn't know what I was experiencing, but I felt like I was dying. And I'm like, I don't have the strength physically. I'm exhausted all of the time from the mono. 
I don't have the academic ability or the natural smarts. The only thing I felt like I had is I had heard for all these years in church. Prayer changes things. And so in my dorm room, and I remember very specifically, it was in my class on vector calculus. It was a third semester class. I remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'd played around at prayer before that. Uh, Yeah, I prayed before meals. I would kind of pray before I went to bed, but usually I just fell asleep while I was doing it. Sometimes if I really got myself into trouble, I would offer a quick arrow prayer to the Lord, please rescue. And you know what? He answers those, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. but he does. But in this situation, I was like, Lord, I'm staring at a calculus book and I don't understand any of these symbols. It was a foreign language to me. And I remember looking at it and crying out of desperation and praying desperately, Lord, please help me. And then I would open my Bible and I would read it. And then I would go back to my calculus book and I would do it over and over again, hour after hour after hour. And the craziest thing happened in my dorm room. God taught me calculus. I can't make any sense of it. Just slowly. It wasn't like it came in a flash. Slowly over time, I just felt, I'm like, you're the teacher. You know this stuff. Help me. And he began to teach me. And I realized two things. One, that God cares about more than just whether we lead people to faith or how often we go to, he cares about our whole lives. So when it comes to seeking guidance from God, like if he cares about vector calculus, well, of course he's going to care about who I marry. And of course he's going to care about what school do I send my kids to. And of course he's going to, if it matters to me, it's going to matter to him. It says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. These are the things I care about. And so on that day was a turning point where I got serious about prayer. Now, it was a long growing process of actually the Lord teaching me how to pray, but everything good that's happened in my life. The Lord chose a spouse for me. I asked him to arrange a marriage for me. That all happened through prayer. Ending up in ministry, that happened through prayer. Being a pastor at a church in which I'm hopelessly ill-prepared to do what I'm being asked to do. The turning point was God teaching me, look, be serious about prayer. And so from that day on, that's made all the difference. Talking with God, that's what prayer is. It's talking with God. It's a relationship. And in prayer, in talking with God, we experience God. In some way, shape, or form, we experience God. But there are those special moments like Sunday morning. I had driven up to Mackinac City on Saturday night through a blinding snowstorm for part of the way. And I got to Mackinac City to the Holiday Inn Express. And and it was just really windy. It was a blustery night. And I was just sort of feeling the pressure of the next day, you know, leading worship at church and just so many things to think of and I had already had a really busy week, but just had a nice, quiet evening in the hotel room. And I got up on Sunday morning and I came outside to make the drive over the bridge to St. Ignace. And first of all, the morning was just completely still. Mm -hmm. There was a complete stillness to the morning. It wasn't sunny, but it was bright. It was bright and it was still and it was like, it was like a God was there. His holiness, his presence was there and I, I just was so encouraged then. And then as I made my way across the bridge, you know, just the beauty, the beauty of the Straits of Mackinac and the awesomeness of that bridge, which had colored lights on it. Oh, that's awesome. And I drove across the bridge just thinking about times I had been at Mackinac Island with my family and just friendship with Pastor Ken Strait and Lori Strait there and just thinking on the goodness of God and then driving into St. Agnes and showing up at the church and my friend Tom, who runs the sound for me, he did a lot of work for me to get things ready, you know, because I'm one of those 
people who likes all the ducks in a row. And he, I, he just met me at the door with just such grace. And I went back out to park my car and came back across the parking lot. And I just, I got so emotional. I just felt like, God, this is, this morning is such a gift. Mm. You know, it was experiencing God's presence. Mm -hmm. It was a gift to me. It is a gift every single time. And like you said, we, we don't, necessarily feel that every single day, but it doesn't make it less true Mm -hmm. that God is the right here, right now, God. Yeah. And there's an app. There's an app that you talked about earlier. Yeah. And in regards to experiencing God through praying, um, I think this was primarily put together for people who, you know, just aren't necessarily sold on religion, don't do church. It's called Try Praying. And the app is totally free. And it's a very small booklet. What it is, is if you buy the, you know, if you get the booklet, but it's just a seven day challenge to yeah. step into praying mm. and try it. Yeah. Ask God to reveal himself to you and see what happens every day. Um, asking these specific prayers and then carrying a physical item with you to remind you to pray into that throughout the day and ask for God to reveal his presence to you. So it's called try praying, try praying dot, try praying dot com. Okay. Or on an app. Try praying. And you know what? If, if you're thinking, man, I wish I could experience God's presence like those guys are talking about. You know what? It doesn't mean that you don't know God. You know, maybe maybe there's just some kind of barrier. Maybe you've put up some defenses. Maybe you just haven't asked God. But I know that, that he will show up. Just say, Lord, show yourself to me. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. <laughs> you know, I think one of the you know questions when we ask the question, who is this Jesus? And we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. I mean, just the fact that he was born. And I know there's a a special out right now by The Chosen. It's a Christmas special that can be seen in theaters that shows the birth of the child. I've not seen this yet, but I have seen the trailer for it. And just to see this fragile little newborn baby and hear that cry that's so distinct. I was in the grocery store the other day and I heard this cry and I was like, that one's new. That is a newborn baby cry. Is that just a mama thing? Yes. Okay. Pretty much. <laughs> I was like, that is absolutely a newborn baby cry. But just, you know, the reality of the humanity that God came as a human, not as, you know, some hologram, not as, not in spirit form. It, when Jesus Christ was born, you know, he is with us now, but not in the way that he was with them then. Mm-hmm. He had physical body that they could touch and see and feel. And this verse, I think, maybe more than any other verse in the Bible, makes it as plain as plain can be. The word became flesh, humanity. Yeah. The word that spoke the universe into existence became a human being. Yeah. Hard to wrap your brain around that. But there's a old school radio guy, an American icon. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Paul Harvey. If you're our generation, you have. If you're a millennial or a Gen Zer, maybe not, but an amazing radio guy, a believer. And he did this bit called The Man and the Birds. And it's about this 
skeptical guy, good-hearted guy, cynical, though, about the idea of God becoming a human being. So it was Christmas Eve, and his, his wife went off to church, and he just couldn't go because, you know, he just didn't believe it. He didn't want to be a hypocrite. Mm. So anyway, the storm comes in on Christmas Eve, and and there's these birds outside, and they're they're trying to get into, well, they're trying to get some kind of protection from the storm. And so he goes outside, and he opens the barn door, and he tries to get those birds inside the barn. He tries, you know directing them in, you know, chasing them in. He turns the light on in there and he just can't get the birds in the barn. And he's thinking, how do I get these birds in the barn? How do I get them protection? Well, all of a sudden he thinks if I could just be one of them and be a bird and guide them in and the light bulb comes on and he's like, oh, I get it. Wow. That's what God did. That is so powerful. That is exactly what God did. He became one of us. And, you know, there is another verse in scripture that tells us, you know, we don't have a high priest that can't relate to what we're going through. We have one who felt the temptations that we feel. He experienced, you know, rejection from people who loved him. He experienced all of humanity and he died so that we could be free from it Hmm. so that we could live with him forever and ever. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.